we got this, I passed this out to you guys. My brother Robert, you know my brother Robert in South Florida, he's an attorney in South Florida, and he um, shares with uh, people all the time about the finished work of Christ. And so every now and then he has a, an email he'll send to a friend that he's trying to help them see, you know, what grace is all about. And that he'll forward me a copy of it sometimes because he knows I love to read the dialogue between people he's trying to share with. And this was, I thought was really cool because my brother's real, he's real succinct in, in making points and stuff. So I thought I'd give you a copy to read. And it's, it's just really cool about the whole thing about law and grace as he's trying to share with his friend um, what it means to really live under grace and not under a combination of law and grace. Because uh, as, this, as you'll see in this email, um, most churches teach that if you're a believer, if you're in Christ, you're going to go to heaven if you're in Christ and your sins that you commit as a believer is not going to keep you out of heaven. And they'll say, oh, no, you're, you're, security, you're, you're secure in Christ. You're going to go to heaven. But the problem is they also teach, but while on earth, if you sin as a believer, then you have broken fellowship with God. You're out of fellowship with God if you if you're sin. And basically, you have to go to 1 John 1, 9, the verse to get cleansed again and again, using that verse wrongly, actually, but using that verse as a bar of soap, so to speak, to keep cleansing yourself so you can stay in fellowship with God. And every time you sin, God turns his back, you get cleansed, he comes back, whatever that concept is in, e- in each of our minds. And this is rampant throughout the church, this law-grace combination. So you basically are living on earth under law and, li- and hoping that, that one day when you die, you'll live under grace in heaven. I mean, God, Jesus didn't come so we would just have grace in heaven. I mean, the whole, the whole point is that this awesome good news is for now. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly now and in the world to come, eternal life. So I just love this little email that he sent this friend. And, oh, I, I didn't give you the response, but the response was, it was a short response he sent back to Robert and he said, wow, W-O-W. He said, wow. He goes, when I read that about no penalty interest during the grace period of a credit card, no penalty interest during the grace period of a credit card. He, he said, and then when I read the part where you said, what if God, what if, what if they were to extend that no penalty interest during the grace period? What if the grace period was extended eternally forever on your credit card where there would be never, ever, ever any penalty interest because you're late ever? And he said, when I read that, I got joy. <laughs> That's what the good news does. It brings joy. So I hope you enjoy this. This might be a good tool to give to a friend. You know, if you're trying to share with someone about what grace is all about, use this analogy or whatever. But it's awesome because it's exactly what the thinking is out there many times is that, yeah, um, well, the credit card thing is all about, you know, grace period. There's no penalty interest if you pay within a grace period. But if you pay after that period, there's penalty interest. Well, what and many times we're hearing in, in Christendom around the world is that, yeah, you're under grace. But there's a penalty, there's a penalty interest to be paid when you sin as a believer, and that is broken fellowship with God. And that is what is a lie. Because, as Robert points out in his email, because sin is not even imputed to the believer. And that's what I shared, I think, a couple of Sundays ago, maybe last Sunday. I said, if, you, if we get this, one thing. Paul said that if you're not under the law, then sin is not imputed to you. Not imputed to me. 
And we are not under law, but under grace because of what Jesus did. The scripture says where there is no law, there is no transgression. And it's hard for us to believe how good this is. But that is the goodness of God. It didn't come lightly, but through the suffering and death of his own son, who was without sin, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in him, in him. And that exchange took place on the cross, available to all who would believe. And the first, the moment we believed, the spirit is given to us. We are counted righteous. We are raised new in him. We are joined to him. And what he did for us 2,000 years ago comes into our time and space and our history and becomes real to the one in this moment who believes. Awesome. And we are translated out of this realm of time and space from this kingdom of darkness on earth into the kingdom of the beloved son, an eternal kingdom in the spirit where there is no time. Where there is no limitation of space, there is only God who is life. And now that God is within us. Our life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. And the Father and the Son have made their abode in us by the Holy Spirit. Riches beyond description. Riches beyond description. A union has taken place. The love of God can now be shed abroad in our hearts without fear We can serve God without fear, not according to the oldness of the letter, Romans 7 says, but the newness of the Spirit. Not rules to keep and commandments to obey, but a life to release in us. Christ lives His life in us and through us. Awesome. And that's the fruit. That brings the fruit that remains not this work to try to work up something and, and then try to prop it up and keep it going, but a fruit that remains, an eternal fruit, because it's grounded in the revelation of Him. Awesome. Okay, so I just hopefully this will be a blessing to you to, to share. And uh, Got started late today, I'm sorry. Um, got just a few more minutes. Let's see what the Lord does for the next few minutes. And My heart, every time I come here, is just, Lord, what, what word, what message, what thought can I share, you know, to encourage, help us see more fully the unseen. I love that verse in... Um, Gospel of John, it says, and of, this is Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Isn't that awesome? Everyone who has believed on him can say, everyone who has believed on him can say, and of his fullness we have all received. And we've received grace for grace. We've received grace from him in order that we might receive grace. It's like the song Amazing Grace. 
It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. That's what that's saying. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. We have received grace for grace. You see? It was his grace that sought us and searched for us and brought illumination and light to us. We sat in darkness and and the way of death and the sunrise from on high has visited us, the scripture says. And the prophet said of Jesus when he walked the Sea of Galilee that those who live in Naphtali and the Sea of Galilee have seen a great light. Light. Light has come into the world, see? Light. And remember, spiritual life is all about seeing. It's not about doing. Spiritual life is all about seeing. Seeing. When Jesus came and, and he spoke and uh, he read the scripture about the, the, the prophetic scripture about the Messiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The very first thing he says in quoting Isaiah is to open the eyes of the blind. Very first thing Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus. He said, Paul, I'm sending you, sending you forth to the Gentiles to open the eyes of the blind. Open the eyes of the blind. In the book of Genesis, where it all began, the eyes, Satan promised Adam and Eve that if they would eat of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, that they could be just like God, without God. If you knew what he knew, you could do it too. If you knew the right from the wrong, if you knew what he knew, you could do it. You could be just like him without him. And when they ate of that tree and they believed that lie, which is now a part of all of our natural makeup from Adam and Eve, we all have inbred in us as natural human beings a thought that we can do it if we just have the knowledge. Not understanding that it's not a matter of knowledge. It's a matter of a different species. It's a higher life. It's the tree of life. Only God can be God through us. Only God can live the Christian life. Even the Son says, I can do nothing except the Father lives through me. And as I live through the Father and by the Father, so shall you live by me. Because he would accomplish a work that would totally cleanse us from all sin and bring us into union with himself so that he would live his own life through us. But what happened when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Their eyes, the scripture says, were opened. But in truth, that opening of their eyes to their own nakedness was a blinding to God. So when they opened their eyes, saw their nakedness, they'd never seen their nakedness before. They became very self-conscious and very self-absorbed and very, and suddenly their eye, the eyes that beheld God in the, in the afternoon in fellowship with him was blinded. So blinded that the one that they had fellowship with and knew intimately and had no fear of whatsoever, they were afraid of him. That's blindness. And when God came as he always came, it manifestly, he was always with them, but manifestly to be with them, Adam, Adam, where are you? Always Adam waited for him at the spot. Of course, God knew where he was. He writes those things and says those things for our benefit. God hadn't changed a bit. Blindness had set in. They hid from God. They were in shame. They were afraid of God. Blindness. Jesus said, I have come that the blind might receive sight, and those who say they see might remain blind. 
He was talking to the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees said, we have Torah. We have the scriptures. God spoke to our fathers. Who are you? You from Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? Your father's a carpenter. You know, they had the law and they thought they saw because they had the scriptures and yet they were blind. But those who came to the Christ and said, we don't understand. We don't see. Open our eyes. Help us see. Jesus said, blessed are you for you who say you are blind shall see. But you who say you see shall remain blind. And even to this day, that's one of the hardest things for people to get over to people is that they think they see, they think they know. And as long as you think that you know and think you see, when you really don't. Now, if you do, really do, awesome. Because when you really do, you know you do. And there's a fellowship of that seeing with others who see. But those who feel like they see and they don't see, it's hard to get them to see. So it's all about seeing. It's all about seeing. And then when the, when the, when the eyes are open and we see, God goes... God takes it from there and opens our eyes because the, the dynamic of heaven is a matter of, of seeing the unseen. Paul says, look not upon that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary. That which is unseen is eternal. So we're not, we're not to look at ourselves visibly and say, well, I'm not holy. I'm not, I'm not godly enough because I, don't do, I do this and I don't do that. Or, no, Paul says, don't look at the seen. Look at the unseen, the unseen reality of the new creation. And as we behold God by faith in the unseen, and we, as we said last Sunday, don't forget our face. Don't forget the new face we have, the new creation. And we commune with God with our new face in the real and who we really are. A dynamic takes place in the spirit back and forth that we can't explain, that no flesh can take credit for. And fruit begins to bear through this mortal body. And the Spirit puts, his, puts to death the deeds of the body. And the life of God is manifested because we're seeing. And the doing will follow. For it is God who is at work in us, very mysteriously, both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. But when the doing flows forth, you'll be like Moses, whose face was shining, and he knew it not. You won't, you won't have a self-conscious type of righteousness. You won't have a self-conscious type of, I'm a, I'm a goody two-shoes and I'm a good dooter, a good dooter, a do-gooder. I don't want to be a good dooter either, but whatever that is. A, a, a do-gooder, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to have a self-consciousness about the good things that God is working through me. And you won't. That's what's so cool about it. People will come up to you. Jesus said people will come up to you at, at, at the end even. And he says, and they'll say, oh, thank you, you know, um, uh, for, uh, how do you say that in the parable? He says, thank you for, um, for visiting me in prison and for feeding me and, and so forth. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Jesus himself would say that. That's right. The Lord himself will say to his people, the sheep, and, and say, um, you visited me in prison. You visited me uh, when I was down. You, you came to me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. And they would say, well, when did we do that, Lord? When did we do that? They're not self-conscious of what they're doing. When did we do that? You did it to the least of these. You did it unto me. You just lived my life. My life lived through you, and you just did it. You know? And, um, and that's, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a rest. 
Um, we're not supposed to have a list of things that we're checking off and, you know, um, God did, you know, God did good on that one, you know. No, it's, it's all about him. And then other people will see him in you. And, and as Paul says, let's acknowledge the good thing that is in each one of us by Christ Jesus. And you'll be encouraged by it. And, and you won't have any false humility about it, too. Like when someone praises you about doing something, you don't say, oh, give God all the glory. You know, oh, go, don't, don't praise me. Give God all the glory. You know, you don't have to do all that. I mean, just say thanks. Thanks. God's good. Thanks. That's encouragement. You know, true humility receives encouragement because, you know, it's, it's the Lord in you. And you're happy to hear Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. I know. Oh, that's, I'm a, I, I know that I, I couldn't have done this without him. Oh, thanks. It, it, he is shining through me. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. And we should encourage each other and should be, have a simple thank you. Thank you. God is good. Thank you so much. You know? No, you don't have to go into this big speech. Like, oh, no, don't tell you. No, God. <laughs> to me, that's a sure sign that they're very self-conscious of what they did. Just, just be free. Be free and, and encourage each other. So cool. I love... Barbara's size. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> every sigh, I feel like, every sigh I hear Barbara give, it's like weights are rolling off the shoulder. We're unlearning so much junk. Christ, the simplicity of Christ. So awesome. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. The grace of God is spreading to more and more people, abounding with thanksgiving to the glory of God. Only one sacrifice can be offered now by us the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. It's all we can do. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I pray that we would continue to have our eyes open. The eyes of our heart might be open as Paul prayed for the church. Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be open. That you might see. The exceeding riches. Of his calling. His calling to us in the darkness. He is the light of the world. He is the light that coming into the world lights every man. That we might see the incredible inheritance that is given to us, that's inside of us, inside the saints. That we might see the exceeding greatness of the power that is toward us who believe. A power according to the same power that he exercised when he raised his only son from the dead. From Sheol through the earth, earthly realm, 
into the heavens, far above all principalities and powers, and every name that is named, and set him on his right hand with all authority, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Lord, thank you for this awesome power that is in us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God, not of ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to do exceedingly, receive this, saints, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within you to God be all the glory by one Christ Jesus, his only son. World without end, kingdom without end within us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of Christ. To live is Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Thank you, Lord. We're all in darkness when we come into this world in the flesh, in the natural. And what happens is that the scripture says, the entrance of thy word bringeth light. The light is in the word. It's in the message. It's living. It's it's light. It's living light. And if the word is received, if the light is received, how can they believe unless they hear And how can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can someone preach unless he be sent? So the light comes into our darkness with the word, with a message, with words. The angel said, go and send for one named Peter to the Gentiles. Go and send for one named Peter in Joppa. He has words, words for you, words. And so light comes. That's why everybody can be saved. Every single person can be saved because it's not a matter of this false teaching that says, no, God has to regenerate someone sovereignly. The Calvinistic Reformed theology teaches that God has to sovereignly regenerate someone and then they have the ability to see and then they can receive the gospel. No, God is not willing that any man should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth. The light is in the word. It's in the message. It's in the that's why anybody can be saved. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, the scripture says. See? Today, if you hear his voice, harden, don't resist it. Receive the grace. Receive the grace. See? Isn't that awesome? So, when you speak of this grace and this finished work, know that you're speaking light. Paul said when he was brought before the 
the Romans, the Romans, he said, it was Christ that was ordained to first speak light to the Jews. Remember that in, in Acts? He said, speak light. And so when you speak of him, you speak of this grace, you're actually bringing this beautiful light into this prison cell, this darkness, this dreary depression, this hopelessness, this feeling of, of uh, emptiness and and regret and a life of what if, what if, or if only, if only, if only, if only. This light comes like a flood into that, in that person's life and gives them hope, beyond hope, um, uh, indescribable, uh, melting away. All that is, is, uh, has been uh, weaved by the enemy through years Every tangled web of fear and entanglement and deception and darkness bursting forth as a light. I love that when, when Jesus was born and the scripture says, we sat in darkness and, and the sunrise from on high visited us. Heaven's sunrise visited us in our darkness and shined upon us and guided our feet out of that place into the way of peace, the peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with each other. Light. So every time we speak of him, it's like if we could see in the spirit, it's like that Star Wars lightsaber, you know? You know? It is our sword is a sword of light. It is. I mean, God's speaking through movies. The, the lightsaber, man, it's awesome. It's a lightsaber. You know? And it's like, it's the word, the revelation of Christ. You can break the shackles. I, I love that, that scene in Sleeping Beauty, you know, where, the, where, where uh, Sleeping Beauty is asleep from the curse of the witch. And, and she, because she pricked her finger on the spinning wheel and at her 18th, I think 18th birthday or 17th birthday, she would fall into a deep sleep and sleep forever. And, and um, her prince came to rescue her and she was in this place asleep and surrounded by thorns. It's the church. The church has been put to sleep. Who has bewitched you, Paul says? Who has bewitched you, Galatians, that you would go back to law and have a mixture in your mind and, and miss this unconditional love that's come to you, the, the love of the prince? The Prince of Peace. I love that scene. And he comes with his sword and he fights the thorns. That's what we are doing. Every time we tell someone, no, when you sin as a believer, you are not, it's, it's, you are so not out of fellowship with God. You are in his lap while you sin. He holds you tighter when you sin. He weeps. That's why the scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. This word in the Greek there says, don't bring sadness. Sadness, a lover's sadness is what that is. A lover holds you even tighter when you are trying to meet a need outside of him. He's sad. He says, oh, I can meet that need. Come boldly to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. See, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Yeah, Pam. Can I back up at the, the scripture you quoted now? Did 
to him who is able to do it sitting abundantly. If you back up a few verses from that, and it, it, if you start with Ephesians 3.14, instead of you went directly to 20, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love yes. may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height mm. and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge yes. that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God now to him who is able to wow. do exceeding wow. abundantly <laughs> above all that we ask or think awesome. according to the power that works within us. Yes! That's awesome. The height and width and breadth. Now unto him. The depth. Wow. Yes. Yes. To see, to know, to see, to know. His great love for us is to be filled with the fullness of God. No penalty interest during the grace period. Joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Thanks, Pam. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, saints, let us take the sword of the prince. Let's help our king cut the thorns, fight the dragon. Remember how the witch turned into this dragon and he had the shield? Shield of faith. And he fought until he got through the thorns and he kissed. Because the only thing that the witch said would break the spell is the kiss of unconditional love. A holy kiss. And he kissed her. The spell was broken. And she awakened. The bride needs to awaken. Paul said to the church, Awake. And Christ shall give the light. James, I've been talking to one of my buddies, brother in Christ, uh, a lot lately, and he's been when I've been sharing with him, you know, grace and all this stuff, and he's he goes, it's Nate. He's like, I'm with you on so many points. He was like, but your approach to all of this is so it's so it feels so laissez-faire, you know. It's like he, he can't, you know, he. Quotes James all the time, you know, works without, uh, faith without works is dead and all this kind of stuff and has to be taken in the right context. And I said, I, said, I was like, Tom, it really is kind of laissez-faire. You know, I'm at rest. I was like, you should be too. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. <laughs> Just enter into it. That's right. Just rest in the finished work. All the things will happen as a result of believing. Right believing leads to right action. That's right. Right believing leads to right thinking. Right thinking leads to right actions. That's exactly right. I mean, what is a rest supposed to be like anyway? Laissez-faire, rest is rest. That's rest. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's just, we think it's just so good to be true. 
But one day we're going to look at James. We're going to look at James and see what James is really saying about all that stuff. Because it, it's, it's not a bad book. It's a great book. James is saying stuff like, don't forget your face and all that stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. James says uh, ju- judgment, I mean, uh, mercy has triumphed over judgment. I mean, James is awesome. And the thing about, you know, works, faith without works is dead. That's simply saying, that's not talking about works for righteousness. It's talking about what a living faith looks like. That's all. He's just describing what a living faith looks like. A living faith has fruit. And if there's no fruit, then you don't have, you don't have faith. And then you need to examine yourself to see if you're really in Christ or not. That's all he's saying. It's awesome. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's awesome. Kobe, you ready to go? Okay. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Help us all to take the sword of the prince and cut down the thorns and also help us to receive the kiss of unconditional love and rest in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters, Lord. Thank you for their encouragement to me. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that's in the spirit. Amen.